Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray. Lord, we're gathered this morning together, reminded that you are the light, the only light, and Lord, the light that we need to put into our lives. Lord, as we prepare and enter Holy Week, this roller coaster of a week that would see Jesus ride in on a donkey and a parade and cheering and end, or at least in the middle be the crucifixion and then end in this glorious rising that we'll experience and be remembering next week. But Lord, we don't want to look too fast or too quick to the end. We want to work our way through. And so this morning as we look at your word, I pray that it would be powerful. That we would be reminded of that that moment when they sat around the table, when they sat at that meal. That we would be encouraged, Lord, that no matter where we are in life or how we feel or how we have experienced life, that you are still a good God who loves us so. So as we read this morning, may we be reminded of that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of John chapter 13. I apologize if you read the back of the bulletin last week. You got a little bit, you have a different passage, but it's the same story. I just wanted to jump, I I felt like this story was a little bit better. Um, I do want to preface it just a minute. Um, this was when they sat around the table, what would we love to call the Last Supper, that last moment when they sat and gathered together. And um, I want to encourage you that if you haven't signed up for the Seder meal, um, it, from a Jewish perspective, it was a festival. It was a, a party. It was a good time. And then when Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, something changes real quick. Like It gets serious real fast. Uh, And that's kind of where we're at in this passage. Uh, We're just kind of working our way through that. But I do want to encourage you that on on Thursday we'll be be doing uh, not the... We're we're going to do the Christian understanding, but it's the Jewish symbols that we'll be looking at. Um, And when you look at the Jewish symbols, you quickly find out that there's a lot of symbolism um, that that the Jews have have missed. Uh, And it's some really, really intriguing uh, stuff. So I just want to encourage you there. Chapter 13 of John, I, I will say this, listen how Jesus responds. Listen how Jesus reacts. Listen how Jesus reaches out in this passage. John 13, it was just before the Passover fi- festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin... And began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who was with him. Lord, 
Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have... Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was, he was going to betray him. And that, he, what, that is why he said not every one of them was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. You, do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that, that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we continue singing. Children's church, yeah, get the go herd. If you weren't, if you aren't moved by that song, maybe you've not been ever there, but if you have been there, you will be moved. Today's path is one that we've all experienced. As a child, when something didn't turn out exactly as planned, the way we had it planned in our mind, right, as a child, when we didn't get to have what we wanted, or maybe we had to share our toys with some other kid who didn't have, like we had. Or maybe we wanted a peanut butter and jelly instead of that stinking tuna fish that someone made us. Who would make a kid tuna fish? No. Or when we wanted that special toy. You know, when you go to the store and you, you saw that toy and you knew, you knew as a child that that toy wouldn't be there next week. And if you didn't get it today... You would never get it. It would be gone forever. This is before the time of Amazon, right? Now we just get on Amazon and we can buy anything we want. And when we don't get it, we do a full-blown temper tantrum. Stomp our feet, scream, because we think screaming, it makes it, right? <laughs> Mom will give in at that point. Or maybe when we mature and we have our first... Relationship failure. Our first girlfriend, where life doesn't, it doesn't turn out like we thought it was going to turn out. I had one of those. I think I was about 13. 
And I thought I liked this girl because I wasn't really good at catching girls, you know that. I'm, I'm still not. I caught one. I was pretty good. <laughs> Happened to be the best one ever, right? Yeah, I know. I caught the one in a zillion, but I was trying to catch other girls when I was younger, you know. And uh, I can remember being like th- 12 or 13. And so this is how a mind of a 12 or 13-year-old works. I had, yeah. What's that? No, no, this is before, this is even better. So she was a farm girl. And I had a pin on my hat, and the, and the pin on my hat was a, uh, a Hereford cow. It was a, a pin, like a push pin, you know, pin through. And it was cool. <laughs> it was so cool that I thought it would be really cool to give it to her. She was a farmer's kid, so she, she hung out, she lived on a farm. And I thought that was pretty cool, and I thought it was progressive. This is long before texting, guys, and Facebook, so, you know, she lived in a different area. She went to another school. No. <laughs> so I gave her this pin because I thought that would be cool. And Christmas came around. And I can remember my cousins, we all got together and they're like, hey, we got a present for you. I was like, oh, cool. You know, 12 year old got a present from some girl. Pretty sweet, right? I'm thinking, I'm not sure what's in it, but it's wrapped up. It's pretty cool. It's in a box. I open it up. And to my dismay, there was my pin. She was obviously not interested in my pin. Rude, right? My first rela- And, you know, I'm sure we all have those relationship failures, right? We think it's going to work out. It doesn't work like we think. Oh, our heads hurt. <laughs> Well, now you can look back, but at that moment, Ken, it's like crushing. How about those times when we missed an opportunity? Like we have an opportunity to do something, but we weren't home to answer the phone and someone else got the job. Or when we failed because we made the wrong choice, and then we have to pay the consequences. Or like what I like to do was talk to my girlfriend on the phone instead of study for tests. Right? I would talk to her on the phone. She had a cord. She had one of those like 30-foot-long cords. And you could run it from the, the phone to like the bathroom. It was, I would call her and we would talk all night and I would skip the studying for the test because at that moment it didn't seem like it was going to be that big a deal. But the next day when I took the test, it was a real disappointment that I hadn't studied and I was going to get that nice big F or maybe a D minus. I like D minuses and... Or sneaking out of your parents' house, right? It's all great until you get caught. And then once you get caught, you get grounded, right? My parents thought that grounding would help me. I I can remember being grounded six months one time. (laughs) And deservedly so. I mean, you'll have to ask them about the story. I'm not telling it. (laughs) It's pretty disappointing when your friends call and you can't go anywhere. My parents had tough, my parents' grounding was tough. It was, you don't go anywhere and no one comes to your house. That was, that felt really, I felt like I was in jail, right? I needed it, mind you. It didn't, it probably didn't solve all of my problems, but how about the time you wanted to get into that prestigious school and you got that letter in the mail? 
or the first time you lost a job, because there's probably not many of us who have not lost a job because we couldn't make it on time or we just weren't up to par or we just weren't able to do what needed to be done. Or that first car mishap. You got your license, life is good, you're going around and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're just a little bit too confident. And you end up in a ditch like Ken on, on his head. Weren't you on your roof, Ken? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't overconfident. <laughs> just not smart. Yeah. <laughs> or that fender bender or that big first big speeding ticket. It's funny because those disappointments never stop happening in our life. When we get to be an adult, we, we are reminded of those moral failures. Where we know we know better, and yet we still do it. When we know we shouldn't do something, and yet we still do it. When we stay out till 4 in the morning and have to be up at 6 o'clock and it hurts. And we shake our head. Today's path is a path of disappointment. And each and every one of us have dealt with disappointment. Now today's supposed to be Palm Sunday, right? It is Palm Sunday. And it's supposed to be happy. But today's story gets kind of hard and dark pretty quick. It reminds us that Jesus sat at a table knowing full well that those he was sitting with would disappoint. And he still loved them. He knew that Judas sat there and would betray him. He knew Peter would deny him. He knew that the other disciples would scatter. They had been together for three and a half years, day in, day out, 24-7. They had spent so much time together. And yet he sat at a table and he knew everyone would walk away, at least for a time. How do you respond to disappointment in your life? How do you respond to those who have treated you less than? How do you respond to those who did not pick you until last for the dodgeball game? And as adults, that happens, right? Our friends pick three other people we see on Facebook. They, they ditched us and didn't take us. Obviously, we're not as important. Or we hear about it afterwards. How do you respond to the disappointment in your life? I want to share with you how Jesus responds. Because that to me is, it blows my mind how he responds in the face of those who disappointed him. How do you think Peter felt when he heard the rooster crow? We know what happens to Judas, right? That's how bad he felt about disappointing God. He commits suicide. Or at least that's what the Scripture uh, leads towards. 
How do you deal with disappointment? I'm going to challenge you this morning to try something maybe a little bit different than your normal response. Disappointed? Good. Try loving. Verse 1. It says, When Jesus knew his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Think about that for a moment. He sat at that table and he continued to love them as he had loved them all the way up until that moment. He loved them to the end. He loves us to the end. Remember, today would be Palm Sunday. He, walked, he went in on this colt. It was a parade. It was a party. They threw their clothes on the ground. He, he went in. The new king. And a mere five days later, they were screaming, crucify him. He lived these final days with that reflection of the cross, realizing that all those, he was going to go to the cross for all those who disappointed him. And the passage says he continued to love them to the end. So, how do you respond in a relationship today? your spouse, your children, your parents, your co-workers? How do you respond when you feel disappointed, when you feel let down, when someone didn't hold their weight in the, in the, uh, in the job, when they didn't do what they were expected to do? How hard is it to love them till the end? I'm going to share with you a story out of the Old Testament. It's a couple guys named Jacob and Esau, and I'm sure you've probably heard that story, right? Uh, Jacob steals, as a, steals the birthright. He steals what is rightly Esau's. He takes, and at that time it meant you got pretty much everything of your father's, or a good chunk of it, right? You got the, the lion's share of what was going to be given, the inheritance, because you were the oldest. Jacob tricks his father, gets that, and Esau has to live with that. Do you think Esau is disappointed? I think Esau is disappointed. They move on in life. They continue to do their thing. God blesses Jacob. And in Genesis 34, it's about 32 to 35, there's this really interesting moment in Jacob's life. Jacob has all his people, and Esau has all his people, and there's going to be this, they're coming together. They're on a trail. And Jacob realizes really quickly that his brother is on the other end. And what does he do? He does two things. He splits the group in half. <laughs> 
I guess he figured if they kill one half, there'll still be another half, right? And then he does another manly thing. He puts himself at the very end. Behind all the bribes, exactly. All the bribes. There's all kinds of, he's got cattle, there's women, there's all kinds. I mean, he's got his, his kids, and he's like, maybe Esau won't kill me. I mean, that's his intent, right? Maybe he won't kill me if I, he sees all these things, his family. If I give him enough, maybe he won't kill me. And you know how Esau responds when he finds out it's Jacob? He cries on his shoulder and weeps and hugs his brother. After he stole the inheritance. Tough, but I think we can do it. If you're disappointed in somebody, try loving them. Second thing Jesus does in this passage is he serves them. He reaches out and serves them. He says, if, you, if, then, if I then to teach the Lord and teacher wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you one example that you should also do as I did to you. Some dirty feet. You know what it takes to wash people's feet? A lot of humility. Right? It takes a lot of humility. You know, I've been I've been spent all week thinking about this, about washing people's feet. And that's what they would have used. Well, I don't have that, but I have this. And I bought a towel, we can wipe somebody's feet off. And, but I got a bucket, some water. So but I, I have a problem. I need I need some volunteers. I need a volunteer. Anybody? What? Nobody wants to wash anybody's feet. Any, wait, let me ask this question. Anybody want their feet washed? Ken, this is where you're supposed to raise your hand. Raise your hand, Ken. <laughs> I know. I was going to see if your wife was willing. <laughs> if you, if you would have saw her face. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I said. That's servant. That's humility, huh? What? I don't have. Any, I can't believe I don't have any volunteers. There's a lot of. Oh, Zach. Zach's a volunteer. Zach, you want to wash feet or you want your feet washed? Whoa! Awesome, Zach. Thank you for catching the. Thank you for catching the uh, illustration, right? <laughs> Ain't nobody wants to watch anybody's feet, right? And yet Jesus took off his, his outer garment to his towel and he washed the disciples' feet. In the midst of disappointment, he washed the disciples' feet. Knowing that Peter would betray him with his words, he washed his feet. How are you serving those 
who have disappointed you. It's a challenge. And yet we watch our Savior wash his disciples' feet. He not only loves them, but he washes their feet. And finally, if you're disappointed, try protecting. There's a moment in verse 7. And this is the moment where Peter's talking, <laughs> talking about what he doesn't understand, right? He's like, I don't want you to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, no, you gotta, if you're going to be with me, I need to wash your feet. Well, he's then okay, then wash all of me. I'm all in. Isn't that what he's saying? Dip me in the water. I want to be all in. I want to be, I just don't want my toes washed. I want everything washed. I am all the way behind you, Jesus. I have your back. No matter what happens, I got you. You don't have to worry about me. You might be worried about the rest of these guys here. You might be worried about that guy that's going to get some money, but I won't leave you. And this is how Jesus responds. You don't understand what I'm doing, but later you will. Jesus knew that Peter would turn his back. And what Jesus did was protect Peter's heart. You have to know that those words rung through Peter's ears as he saw Jesus crucified. It had to kill him to know that he had denied. And I can't help but think that he didn't hear, later you will understand. That there was some piece of hope, that Jesus had given him enough hope to continue because he knew he had disappointed his Savior. This is what he said in Luke 22. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, a rooster crowed. That was the third time he had denied. Peter knew that he had disappointed his Savior. The guy he had, remember not to the day before, cut the, servant, the, the, uh, cut the ear off of Malchus. He was all in, or so we thought. Maybe the biggest challenge in the Christian faith is that somehow we think we're good or better or that we're okay and we fail to understand that we have let Jesus down. We are the disappointment that took him to the cross. None of us want to say, I am like Peter and deny him. None of us want to go to the point where I am like Judas and I have betrayed him. And yet, Scripture reminds us that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Garbage. There's nothing good in our human nature, in our humanness. We are that Peter 
and that Judas that sit around that table. That may be hard to take. That may be a hard pill to swallow this morning. But that is us that sits around the table. See, I think one of my struggles, and I'm sure your struggles, is that I understand that Jesus went to the cross, but I really struggle to believe that it was my sin and mine alone that took him to the cross. Because I know people that do things different than I did and worse than I did, right? And yet Scripture tells us it's our sin that put him on that cross. Even if it was only our sin, it put him on that cross. He had to go to the cross for us. I want to close with, I like this image, but I want you to think just for a moment about your heart. Some of us have been disappointed by others. Some of us have been disappointed by ourselves and the things that we've allowed ourselves to do. And we've decided that it's easier to wrap a chain around our heart and lock it up than to let anyone or God back in. We've decided that it hurts too much. So the safer thing to do is just lock it up Close it and don't let anybody in. I'll ask you this morning, what are you doing with your disappointment? Jesus took our disappointment and put it on the cross. Why? Because he loves us so. Don't allow your heart to be locked up so tight that you can't let him in. You know, there's a scripture that talks about a stone heart. Same idea, right? Can't let anything in there. I'll encourage you as we go into Holy Week, as we spend time to contemplate what your heart looks like today. Let's pray. Lord God, your word is so powerful. It's so powerful that it cuts bone and marrow. It reminds us that Although we are broken vessels, that you are here to put us back together. That our disappointment is big, and yet your grace is bigger. We are so thankful for your word, thankful for your love, thankful that Jesus went to the cross for me. May, Lord, as we finish this morning, we be reminded of that and contemplate where our hearts are. In your name we pray. Amen.